Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. People are tired of being required to travel over potholes and bridges that are breaking down. And it's expensive when you when all your tires, you know, when you lose your your, your tires are ended up being flat because of those roads and bridges. It's clear that Vice President Kamala Harris has been to Indianapolis, Indiana. Because, uh, because, yeah, uh, potholes, tremendous amount. Oh, Indianapolis, it's just brutal. And the uh, the local government here uh, doesn't care. Every now and then they go on a tear and you're like, look at this. And then winter comes and you're like, oh, that didn't last. Yes. Potholes can ruin your tires and your wheels, and it costs you money, Vice President Harris. That is correct. Thank goodness you are here to tell us. Otherwise, how would we have known? But the the continued, continued, like, why isn't... Joe Biden gloating more about this economy. Let me just say something about Joe Biden. According to what I'm observing, the economy is booming. Yeah. Inflation is down. The stock market is doing well. Uh, people are having an easier time putting bread on the table, etc. He doesn't seem to be getting the credit for that. Only 41% approval. Is it because they think he's old? Because I don't see anything else they can point to with, with him particularly. Well, well, how about the fact that everything's more expensive and it's not easy to put bread on the table? We'll get into a conversation uh, about the economy coming up. Did I say hello? I forget. I, I It's true. All these years later, I forget. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Uh, now is a good time uh, to, to call in. What do you want to talk about? Ask Tony mostly anything. I'm totally down. 833-468-8669. The economy is not booming. It's a great example of a New York elitist engaged in not uh, in, in a failure, not understanding that the world or the country is not New York. She doesn't get it. She thinks that everybody's living just like she is. Joy Behar is an accidental millionaire. How lucky it is to be Joy Behar. Why isn't everybody living this life? Well, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Probably the wrong politics. It's remarkable. She doesn't understand. And and this conversation continues everywhere. Speaker Pelosi going on with Andrea Mitchell on on MSNBC. And saying, of course, they want to impeach Biden. It's because the economy is going great. Talking about 13.4 million jobs created with Joe Biden in the White House and working with the congressional Democrats. They have to change the subject and they have nothing to offer the American people in terms of jobs and the rest. They talk about it, but then they change the subject when it's time to deliver. I'm so proud of the Democrats and the Congress. We fully intend to take back the House the next time so we don't have to deal with the frivolity, the the waste of time of the Congress for them to to go down this path. I look forward to taking the Senate 
and the presidency and keeping the House and then, I don't know, having an economic policy that works because Joe Biden has not created a single job. We know this. People going back to work is not creating jobs. Nancy Pelosi is lying. We are used to this. We're, we're grossed out by it, but we are used to it. This is exactly uh, what she does. This is exactly what the political left does again and again. The political left also does something else. And don't get me wrong, I can give you a hundred reasons why the political right are the biggest bunch of fools in America. I, how long have I referred to the Republican Party as the party of stupid? They are the party of stupid. The left is the party of dangerous. There's a difference. There's a, 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 a difference. And there's a real difference between what they say and what is. So, for example, this is Kamala Harris talking about Bidenomics. I don't know. Is my sound not working? Did that just happen? It was Kamala Harris saying that Bidenomics is working if you didn't hear it. Because I, I had a little problem hearing it. Then there's, of all people, CNN. And I'll note the reason why that his approval rating is so low at this point is because it comes down to the economy. If you look at Joe Biden's approval on the economy right now, it stinks. That, by the way, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, it stinks impression right there. That's uh, that's that's pretty well done. I mean, that was almost that that was that was almost as good as uh, as the critic. Really and truly, I, I I was I was impressed by that right there. The economy is not in a good spot. It's not. It's not in a good spot. So why would you keep telling us that it is? Well, you're okay with lying. The economy... It stinks. That's correct. By the way, that wasn't the CNN guy. That was John Lovitz. See? I mean, it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good impression. Right now, it stinks. It stinks. It's pretty good. So the Republican Party is the party of stupid. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to push back. Uh, they, they, they don't know how to engage. They're afraid of their own shadow. The political left lies. They want you to believe that something is great when it's not. Oh, all those polling numbers. That's not real. Yes, it is. You want to tell me you don't believe just one poll? Well, guess what? Neither do I. When you have an amalgam, when you have enough, you can start showing that there's a reason for it. Let me give you another lie as, as I, I would see it. Or really, uh, maybe it's, uh, call it a deception. Charlie Sykes used to be a radio host in Wisconsin and was on the political right. I think he used to fill in for Rush. And then Trump got elected and Charlie Sykes got broken. And now he then he founds, or he's part of one of the founders of The Bulwark, which is not a conservative website by any stretch of the imagination. And he's a regular on MSNBC because he wants to talk about how awful Trump is. That's his whole career. I I, I have never seen a guy 
who needs uh, to get a bourbon and a sexual experience more than Charlie Sykes. My God, he needs to relax. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't drink bourbon. I'm not going to force it on the guy. Charlie Sykes is on MSNBC talking about the Trump indictment. And if you missed it, I'll get into my conversation further with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor. The the thrust of the indictment is the idea that Jack Smith, the special counsel, says, look, you're entitled to free speech and you're entitled to to, uh, um, question things. And then the entire indictment says you're not allowed to question things. The indictment of Trump on these counts, conspiracy against rights and conspiracy against the government, is the idea that somehow he, in his vocalizations, was guilty of a conspiracy. In the vocalizations and saying, I don't believe this, I don't believe that, this is a problem here, that's a problem there, that is in and of itself is the crime. The questioning is the crime. That's what Jack Smith says, even though he starts with the caveat that says in the United States you can question. It's very odd in its in how he built it up. Even his press conference, the special counsel's press conference, it discusses January 6th, but it doesn't engage a conversation about Trump and incitement. Very weird. And so when the people, when people like uh, William Jacobson, when people like Andrew McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, people like Jonathan Turley, George uh, Washington University Law, when they start discussing Alan Dershowitz, that there's, this is a massive stretch of, of, of the legal, of, of, a, of a legal theory, of course they're right. But that stretch is based on the idea that the speech of the president is therefore the violence. That to me is the is the the the, the back and forth of it all. They're saying that the speech is the violence, that the speech is the issue itself. You had Senator Marco Rubio put out on Twitter. Quote, apparently it is now a crime to make statements challenging election results if a prosecutor decides those statements aren't true. He continues, so when should we expect indictments of the Democrat politicians who falsely claimed Russia hacked the 2016 election? That's a question. And for the political right, they're like, yeah, for the political left, they're like, you dope. And they rip it apart, which, of course, you can have a disagreement with the point of view. But remember what he said. Apparently, it is now a crime to make statements challenging election results if a prosecutor decides those statements aren't true. Lindsey Graham states in a discussion with Hannity that any conviction in D.C. against Donald Trump is not legitimate. They're charging him with a crime of taking bad legal advice. That's what this is about. They're trying to criminalize the attorney-client relationship. They're trying to criminalize exercising the First Amendment. Graham continues, the judge in this case hates Trump. You can convict Trump of kidnapping Lindbergh's baby in D.C. You need to have a change of venue. We need a new judge, and we need to win in 2024 and stop this crazy crap. That's what Lindsey Graham said. 
Senator Marco Rubio with one statement, Senator Lindsey Graham with another statement, talking about criminalizing the First Amendment and free speech. What does Charlie Sykes of the bulwark, not a conservative site, and he's not a conservative by any means, what does he say on MSNBC? Yes, what what Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio are saying is pathetic, and it is same old, same old. But it's also, and I think this is what we need to pause for a moment, this is dangerous. What you are seeing is a full-on attack on the legitimacy of the constitutional order. They are attacking uh, the FBI. They are attacking the Justice Department. They are attacking the judges. They are attacking the juries. They are saying that the actions of these the juries and the judges are illegitimate. I will leave to the side the amount of people who referred to Trump as an illegitimate president every single day for four years. I want you to note that what Jack Smith, the special counsel, is accusing Donald Trump of, Charlie Sykes is now accusing two sitting senators of. This is the left's new position, but we are not surprised by it because we have seen their intolerance towards the First Amendment for years. Their intolerance towards free speech, their intolerance towards uh, having open conversation. We saw it most recently with COVID when they wouldn't allow doctors to share their thoughts on social media. They kept doctors and others from being prominent, from being heard, from being seen, from being found and discovered on Twitter and other places. Kept them out of a newspaper, certainly off cable news. They don't believe in you being able to have a conversation. And now they want to criminalize it because Charlie Sykes goes in that direction. We are saying is pathetic and it is same old, same old, but it's also, and I think this is what we need to pause for a moment. This is dangerous. If you want to say that Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham are pathetic, feel free. You can join a chorus of people who think Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham are pathetic. Just pick any day of the week that ends in Y. You'll find somebody who thinks Marco Rubio or Lindsey Graham is pathetic. Dangerous? The political left believe they are the arbiters. They know what's dangerous. They know what's acceptable and not acceptable. It is okay for Maxine Waters to say that you can surround Trump cabinet members and Trump officials and push back on them. It's all right for Antifa to engage in acts of bloody violence against citizens. Because as uh, Nancy Pelosi said, people are going to do what they do. But a senator worried about free speech, that's the, that's the problem? It's what? Oh, and I think this is what we need to pause for a moment. This is dangerous. No, it's people you don't like having a say. You think people you don't like having a say is dangerous. So if you ask me if I think the Republican Party is the party of stupid, yes, I do. The political left isn't even a party. They are a group of radical, angry people who have allowed the Marxism to creep in in full. I will get to that story coming up. Don't miss it. I'm Tony Katz. Joe has a question. 
reaches out on Twitter at Tony Katz for a little bit of Ask Tony Mostly Anything. How do you know when a stick should be kept for a period of time or smoked right away? It's a cigar question, people. You got to love it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And the answer is uh, you sometimes don't until you smoke it. Um, if something is is quickly sent from, let's say, a manufacturer to you, and depending on how it was shipped, you may want to give it time to just collect itself, Right. You, how was the shipping? Uh, what was the humidity in the shipping? Um, you want the the whole cigar to, to to come together, so you might give it a week just to like chill out. But the idea of whether a cigar has to be they, they call it laying it down, right? It's too green. Um, that is a question of how you smoke it, right? Uh, what is the the blender there? What what are they thinking it's going to bring? What was it that they were looking for? Um, but if you start getting um, some some hits that, you know, some flavors that don't match up to what they were kind of going for. Some flavors that seem just a little too ostentatious. It could use some time to kind of come together. That time could be a month. That time could be six months. Um, I, the last, when I got the last box of uh, the, the, the chef's table cigar from Davidoff, I smoked one of those cigars each month for a year. I think there were 10 in the box, so did 10 months. It did have uh, slight changes to it and to its smoothness and to its, uh, as it progressed. So you don't, there's no like real way to know. I don't, I don't think anybody could tell you, oh, here's exactly how long you let it sit, lay down for, sit for. You, you give it a go. You've tried it. You're like, okay, no, no, no. Something's off there. Try one a month later. And then try one three months later after that. Be patient. Be patient. It's all I can suggest to you. If you have the patience, head over to Tablet Magazine and read the piece on Barack Obama. It really is um, incredible. The the interview that is done there um, with uh, David Garrow. So David Samuels notes something that um, David Garrow, who wrote the biography on Martin Luther King, had written a biography about Barack Obama. And that biography does not share the story of this cool, confident guy who's always believed in a better future. It's a story of a narcissist. It's a story of a guy who was about how he could make himself as opposed to this guy who is just, you know, naturally cool. It got released in 2017, but 2017 was was Trump and nobody was going to pay attention to a book that showed that Barack Obama wasn't normal. Was a he was a creation of himself. And a creation of his own desire to be accepted. The write-up is fascinating. The interview is fascinating. And yes, there are things that are quite salacious. None more so than it really does look like Obama runs the show for Biden. You're going to have to check it out for yourself, Tablet Magazine. Do that. 
Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. If you're connected to me on my website, TonyCats.com, you'll note that every day we put up the show sheet. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Find everything, as I said, at TonyCats.com. The show sheet, they're the stories that I'm going to be talking about that, that day on, on the shows, right? Things that are going on that I think are important. And, and it's posted there uh, every Monday through Friday. Well, the other day... I posted a story about a principal in Canada. Um, This principal killed himself. That's a horrible story. The, The principal killed himself because of the DEI, the CRT training in the school. Now, the lawsuit alleges emotional distress from anti-racist trainings and what followed. His name is Richard Bilkso, B-I-L-K-S-Z-T-O, sued uh, the Toronto District School Board for emotional distress. This after he attended a training where he was accused of being a racist. We have often discussed that all... All of these trainings, all of this DEI, all of this CRT is to call people racist. It is to make the claim that you, for your existence, if your skin happens to be white, you are guilty. You are a bigot. What did you do? It doesn't matter what you actually did because you as an individual cease to exist. You as an individual no longer matter. What matters is the groupthink and the identity politics because all Marxism is dedicated and predicated, or I should say, predicated on the idea of identity politics. You don't exist as an individual. You only exist as part of a group, a group by which you can be deemed guilty or worthy. And therefore being white... In this world of DEI and critical race theory means guilt. This principle had alleged uh, in uh, the lawsuit that someone uh, who runs an equity firm called the Kojo Institute, Kike Ojo Thompson, said that Canada was racist and has never reckoned with its anti-black history. Now, I know what you're saying. Canada? The Canadians are bigots? Listen to me very carefully. It is never about the actual nation. It's never about actual people. It is about if you can make money from the radicalness of the grift. Black Lives Matter, the organization, was a grift from the word go. And every single person who gave money to it bought into the grift because what they were buying was peace of mind. What they were buying was their safety and security. Well, I'm not a racist. We wrote a check to Black Lives Matter. Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter didn't take care of any black lives unless you were associated with the organization Black Lives Matter. Patrice Cullors got herself all the houses and relatives got security money and and this and that. No, 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 no. You, who had your business destroyed in Minneapolis, didn't get crap. Minneapolis hates you. Minnesota hates you. And by the way, Minnesota is a great example of a state that's going to uh, collapse on itself. Let it. 
Let it. They chose this. They chose their ridiculous progressive governor, Waltz. Uh, they chose uh, to to in, engage uh, these policies of bigotry, of defund uh, the police. Now they're talking about reparations in, in Minnesota, which, uh, of course, it's not just any old reparations. Please, you got it's got to be special. It's reparations uh, that is connected to the selling of weed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bag of weed, a bag of weed. Oh, everything is better with a bag of weed. It's the only help that you'll ever need because everything is better with a bag of weed. They are going to put together a plan by which uh, you legalize marijuana for recreational users and the program will invest millions of dollars into communities, quote, disproportionately affected by enforcement of the law when the drug was illegal. See? See? Re- reparations. That's, that's, that's how they do it in Minnesota. Ah, oh, bless their soul. I'm sure it's going to work out just fine. Just like defunding the police in Minneapolis worked out just fine. You have this lawsuit. Canada hasn't dealt with its anti-black history. It's the grift, as we discussed. It's not that it's real or not real in Canada. It's that the grift worked in the United States. Why shouldn't it be, be applied elsewhere? Why shouldn't they try it somewhere else? Why shouldn't somebody else be able to make some money from the grift? And I know I'm going to get yelled at, and I don't care. DEI is bigotry. It is hate. It is the teaching of hate. It is the exalting of hate. It is wrong-headed. And all DEI officers should be removed from their posts. No private company should have a DEI officer. And no public company or, 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 or public entity in terms of a government entity should be allowed to have a DEI officer. The state of Indiana has a DEI officer. We, we, we do. Gone. Should be, she's a lovely, lovely person. Sorry, you have to go. It is bigotry of the highest order. Because the DEI officer must at all times find that the bigotry exists to prove their existence. It doesn't matter if it is real. The job requires the existence of the thing in order to prove the need for the gig. So therefore the thing must be found whatever the thing is. Well, we've got a lot more work to do. That's the answer. There's, we were able to do this, and we changed this policy, and we changed this, we've hired this, and look at this, and this is all great, but there's still so much more to do. The work's never done. You got to do the work. You got to put in the work. Well, when is the work finished? We'll tell you when the work is finished. We know when the work is finished. You don't. You wait for us to tell you when the work is finished, and then you'll know the work is finished. But that you ask when the work is finished is only proof of your bigotry and your hate. That's how it works. DEI is pure evil, and the people who promote it are wrong. And I'll debate that with anyone, anywhere, at any time, on the merits to which there are none. One of the things this uh, guy, Ojo Thompson, said, runs this firm, an equity firm called Coco, or Kojo, sorry, K-O-J-O, Kojo. We are here to talk about anti-black racism, 
But you in your whiteness think that you can tell me what's really going on for black people. That's according to the lawsuit. It was filed by the Foundation Against Race Intolerance and Racism, FAIR, an organization that I think has been doing some really fascinating work and how it's kind of built itself out. Ojo Thompson, the guy who runs this company, was not directly sued by the principal. It was directed at the district. And uh, she is denying the allegations in the lawsuit, not responding to uh, requests. The principal acknowledged or alleged, I should say, that he was called a white supremacist for sharing his beliefs. That fallout, the training, the fallout from the training catapulted into further issues relating to the matter. And the family believes it was a hostile environment that took a serious toll on his mental health. The education minister calls the allegations from Bilkso, Bilkso, B-I-L-K-S-Z-T-O, serious and disturbing. This guy took his life over it. This guy killed himself over these allegations, this attack, this, this abuse, this abuse of having to sit through these trainings and be called a bigot and not be allowed to say anything. You are being personally attacked in these trainings and to ask a question is proof of your fragility. That's why the book from Robin DiAngelo, White Fragility, is so important to these DEI officers because the book is utilized as a way of keeping down any questions because the system is not set up for questions the system is set up for you to take whatever punishment they decide to dish out for you whatever humiliation they decide to put out there for you because all of dei and all of critical race theory and all of these trainings and all of these companies is nothing more than a mao zedong struggle session we're talking about chairman mao we're talking about the guy who brought communism to china and the struggle sessions and how people who resisted were put on stage in front of the whole community and were forced to wear a dunce cap and were asked impossible questions, questions that could not be answered in order to engage levels of humiliation and shame, ridicule, pointed at, laughed at, things thrown at them, and then were forced to engage public apologies to make it stop. Sound familiar? Everything you have witnessed about cancel culture is a struggle session. Every last bit of it. Attack, ridicule, destroy, force confessions. Doesn't matter if they matter. Doesn't matter if they're legitimate. Force it. Make them grovel and beg. How they need to educate themselves. It's exactly what you see. And it's why we as a society applaud the people who don't grovel and beg. We applaud the people who stand up and say, kiss my... We applaud them. We cheer them because that is the right answer. And that is how you break these people in half. All of these people, everyone pushing DEI and critical race theory is pushing Marxism and they all need to be broken in two. I apologize for nothing. I am bringing the data. 
I am showing the connections. That you don't like that the connections are shown is inconsequential. And what will I be called for showing the connections? A racist. Do you see how it works? Noting the connection between today's DEI and yesterday's struggle session and noting that they are exactly the same and you can see for yourself that they're exactly the same. That is the bigotry. Just like asking a question if you're white is proof that you can't handle the fact that you're a bigot and they call it white fragility to keep you from speaking out. That's exactly the point. You don't get to speak out if you're in this group, if you're connected this way. All you can do is take your punishment. This leader there in Canada engaging these uh, conversations, uh, uh, teaching these classes, Kike Ojo Thompson stated in these trainings uh, that uh, uh, we know that anti-black racism is operating within education because of the outcomes we see for black students. And then, of course, racism is embedded within all systems. That's what they call intersectionality, folks. Intersectionality, you've heard it before. That's what it is. At least, that's what they make the claim that it is. And, of course, she offers consulting to corporations and governments and everything else. You're a racist. Racism is everywhere. And only I, with my keen, proper color of skin eye, can tell you where it is and how to dismantle it. But the dismantling is going to take years and seven raises and some vacations and, of course, a 401k. We don't dismantle it because it has to be dismantled. We dismantle it as long as it will allow me to invest more into Apple and possibly some other tech stock of, uh, you know, maybe I can get a little information on the inside. You wouldn't want me not to have that inside information. Why, that would just be bigoted. Tell me. Tell me I'm missing a step in this whole thing. Of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. This principal committed suicide after harassment for pushing back against the training. I, I, I didn't, certainly didn't know him and there would be a lot of his story I would need to know and what other demons and other issues he had. But let me say this. It's much harder to push back against when you're alone. This is bigotry. This is hate. This is Marxism. There's no place for it. So don't be alone. Stand up against it together. Stand up against it. Fight back against it. Demand better for yourself. Demand better for others. And demand that it be removed from your school and from your university, from your employer. Demand it. It is bigotry. It is hate. It is the Mao struggle session. It is un-American. America's conversation about race and history should be told. We should teach the totality of American history, the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. And there is bad and there is ugly. And we should teach it. And we should absolutely be watching our world. And are we doing things in a way that allows the maximum amount of liberty for the maximum amount of people, really the whole of the people? We should always be aware. Calling people oppressed and oppressor 
teaching children that they're guilty for the color of their skin, we shouldn't allow that anywhere. And we should make sure we fight back aggressively against the people who want that. Because those people don't care about your life. They care about getting paid. And they care about breaking a system. But that's a conversation about Marxism for another day. I'm Tony Katz. If you want me to not believe a story, tell me that it's your truth. It's your truth. Good Lord, what do I do with this story right here about the Lizzo dancers? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, the attorney for these dancers. He used to work for Lizzo. But of course, Lizzo is pretty abusive and Lizzo was fat shaming. Lizzo was fat shaming her dancers. And then there was the weird sex stuff with the fruit. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to leave it uh, there. The attorney for the dancers saying that those people who are engaging skepticism, uh, they need to understand that uh, for the dancers, quote, it's their truth. It's their truth? Is this the argument? Because now all of a sudden I'm on the side of Lizzo. And man, I ain't on the side of Lizzo. Abusing dancers, fat shaming dancers, the rest, right? Right, this is what they call it, so I'm going with it. Um, It's their truth? Oh, the minute you use that line, you make me question everything. So, all right, bring it to a court. Let's see what happens. Let's see how it goes, kids. Maybe Lizzo isn't the worst person on planet Earth. It's their truth? That, to me, is an immediate sign of guilt. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.